Hello from Los Angeles and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for Sunday, September 22nd of 2013. My name is Michael Benner, your host today as we talk about a topic that I think is absolutely fascinating. It's simple but not easy. You know that expression, simple but not easy? I think this is an example of that type of situation or circumstance. There's nothing really complicated about consciousness or awareness, except it's a little bit like trying to see the back of your head or stare at the back of your eyeballs, for example. You just can't get around to it, you know, (laughs) the dark side of the moon. And uh, yet consciousness is everything. Consciousness is the essence. You strip away everything that is temporary, everything that doesn't last, like the entire material reality around us is all in constant flux and decay. Everything is, uh, how does Neil Young say it? Rust never sleeps. Everything is headed for the junkyard. And yet we invest all of our lives in the acquisition of material goods. And it's understandable. I mean, who doesn't want a decent car? One that starts when you turn the key and Who doesn't want warm clothing on a cold day or even to look stylish if you're dating, let's say, or going out in public? Who doesn't want a home with a roof that doesn't leak and, you know, food in the pantry and such? It's understandable that we would dedicate ourselves to the acquisition of material things, but we play a little game where we pretend that we are forgetting constantly that none of that stuff lasts, Uh, the food in particular, (laughs) but anything else. It's all in decay. It's all headed to the trash heap. It's all on loan. And yet, if all that is material does not last, is there anything that is permanent? Is there anything that is eternal and infinite? And the wisest women and men have told us down through the ages that, yes, there is one thing that is real. Sometimes it's called love. But it's often confused then with emotional love, which has its ebb and flow, its heartache, as well as its ecstasies. Yet spiritual love, the ultimate in what is substantial, real, eternal, and infinite, has no ebb and flow. It will never abandon you or betray you or break your heart. Sometimes it may feel that way, but it's because of the confusion around the whole concept of love and peace and levels of consciousness. So today, rather than call love or consciousness or awareness by the term love, we're going to use two terms primarily for this ultimate reality, this substantial essence that stands behind all things. One is consciousness and the other awareness. 
They're used interchangeably. In Eastern philosophy, awareness is often capitalized and corresponds to divinity, whereas consciousness is not capitalized and tends to refer to what part of the ultimate awareness do you recognize. Consciousness would vary in degree. But there are many teachings, East and West, that reverse the two, where consciousness becomes the ultimate, and how aware of your consciousness are you is um, used in a kind of a reverse way. But to me, it doesn't really matter much to be aware of your consciousness or to be conscious that you are aware. I suppose we could throw in a third term, sentience, I think the best place for us to start, and we will be able to go into detail in the premium training on this at 10.30, just about 22 minutes from now. But I think a good place to talk about consciousness and awareness is to talk about what does unconscious mean. I think we're more familiar with unconscious than conscious. That would be either sleep or some sort of coma. Like, hey, what happened to Joe? He's laying on the ground over there. He looks like he's sleeping. No, he fainted. He passed out. This guy went into a coma, and he is unconscious, meaning that he is not aware of his existence. He has gone into a kind of a trance-like state that resembles either sleep or, in fact, is sleep. And that's what we mean by unconscious. Technically, sleep is a level of consciousness because sleep is not death. So consciousness resides within a sleeping individual. But we say they're unconscious, they're asleep. Yet they go through... Dream cycles, every, oh, 90 minutes or so, we have five or six minutes of dreaming, often accompanied by visual imagery, sometimes very intense visual imagery, and that often is recalled when we wake up. And then, as I say, we go through periods of non-dream sleep and then cycle back into the dreaming. So we say the person is unconscious when they're asleep, but we can see the rhythms of consciousness being exhibited though they're asleep and technically unconscious. So when a person does wake up in the morning, hello, good morning, here, have a cup of coffee, we say now they're conscious. That means they're awake. Notice the similarity of the word aware and awake. So here's another term we can throw into the mix. To be conscious or to be aware is to be awake, to be alert, to be informed by your surroundings, usually through physical sense and sensation, but there is also the ability to think, to seek knowledge, to ponder that knowledge, to arrive at understanding 
There are emotional feelings. Uh, there's communication with other people, and I suppose you could say with animals, and some people even communicate with flowers and trees and such. It may be a one-way communication, but others, <laughs> others might argue that as well. All of this, then, is a form of consciousness or awareness that stands behind our perception, sense, and sensation, standing behind our thoughts and feelings. How could you be aware of a thought? You're not simply the thinker. You're aware of the thought. It's not simply that we have feelings. What would be the point if we were unaware of the feeling? You have to be aware of the feeling. And here's where we get into what I think is the really important point as we begin to study consciousness and awareness. And that's that our level, our state, or degree of consciousness or awareness is highly variable. Are there not times, for example, where we are unaware or less aware of how we feel emotionally? Where, for example, you might suddenly find yourself angry Become aware that you're really upset. Whereas a minute ago, you were just as upset, but you didn't realize it. You were not aware of how angry you are. And then suddenly you became aware. So to talk about the feeling itself, in this case, I'm using an example of anger, to talk about the emotion itself is not enough. We have to talk about how aware is a given individual of their anger? Or how aware are they of another person's anger? Like, well, I didn't know you were so upset by this. I didn't realize it. I wasn't aware of your anger. Usually our ability to understand the feelings of other people, to empathize or sympathize, is a function, of course, of our ability to understand, that is, to be aware of our own feelings. Before you can empathize, you've got to be somewhat emotionally aware and sensitive yourself. Not able to do for another anything you're unable to do for yourself, right? Just like self-love, you have to understand what's lovable about yourself before you can be involved in a loving relationship with another person. Be aware of that. And so it is with thoughts or any perception of sense and sensation. It's a function of the degree of awareness, how aware, how alert, how sentient, how awake are you. There's a great story in Buddhism about Buddha after his enlightenment, coming down through the woods, the jungles, approaching a small village where he had planned to rest and perhaps do some speaking and a little teaching on the nature of his enlightenment. And because he was such an illumined being, he, in a sense, radiated light. Many were amazed as he emerged from the jungle and as the story goes, 
fell flat on their face as if in the presence of the Lord Almighty. And one shouted out, Are you God? Buddha, according to the story, replied, No, no, I'm not God. They said, Well, certainly you're an avatar, you're a sage, you're an ascended master, a great holy man. Your radiance makes this obvious. And Buddha says, No, no, not really. I'm not really any of those things. And a third man then shouts out, Well, what are you then? And Buddha replies, I am awake. I am not just aware and conscious. I am awareness. I am consciousness. Tasvit Asi, thou art that. I am that, not this. Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. But if he was not awareness, then what would be the point of identifying, or how would he even be able to identify with the thinking process? Often we think, and we're not aware of what we think. You know that because you can stare out a window, be daydreaming, and then all of a sudden aware of what you were daydreaming, whereas a moment earlier you were unaware. I think everybody has that startling experience of driving down the street and you make a left turn through the intersection, you yield to the traffic, you stop at the red light, you find your way left, right, three blocks down, make another turn, and all of a sudden you, in a sense, wake up. You come to. This can happen on the freeway as well. It's a little scary, and we go, whoa, how how did I get here? Uh, Where have I been? And what does it mean that I can go into a level of unawareness? I can be so unconscious that I can drive a car down the freeway at 70 miles an hour and be completely absorbed by unrelated thoughts and feelings as if transported by my imagination to an entirely different place. You just sort of snap to all of a sudden, right? That's a little spooky. Well, that's awareness, you know. You're thinking, you're feeling, you're sensing through your physical senses, seeing and and hearing and smelling and tasting. You're just, just not aware of it. This is consciousness. This is awareness. And the implications of learning to be more aware, to be more conscious, are quite extraordinary. It really changes the nature of of who you are. In other words, when you wake up in the morning, how awake are we? This is not, by the way, a matter of knowledge or intelligence. In other words, the fact that I may not remember where I left my keys doesn't mean that I'm stupid or unintelligent or not very knowledgeable. I could be very bright. In fact, we have a stereotype of the absent-minded professor who is so intelligent that he can never remember 
to tie his shoes. You know, he doesn't remember much of anything because he's sort of lost in his thoughts, highly intelligent, but largely unaware of his surroundings. And so the one thing we know about not being able to find our keys is that when we put them down, we were unaware of placing the keys there. We were thinking about something else. When people become very highly anxious and stressed, overstimulated, sometimes the, to the point of becoming, well, what's the term? OCD, let's say neurosis, an obsessive compulsive order, where a disorder rather, where we, uh, well, obsession is I can't stop thinking of a particular thought. A compulsion is I can't stop doing a particular task. And sometimes that sense of overstimulation and just sort of the record being stuck in a groove is so distracting that we can't remember from one moment to the next whether we turned off the stove before we left the house or whether we really locked the door. And people have to often turn the car around and drive back to the house and check again to see if they locked the door. But when they check, they're unaware. They're so busy thinking of 15 other things that even though they made it a point to turn around and come back to check to see if the door is locked, They weren't paying attention, so they get in the car, drive off, and still wonder, hey, did I really just check the door, or did I just think that I went back and checked the door? And we don't know because we're unaware. We're not conscious. Now, we all have these embarrassing episodes from time to time. How often they happen to us is an example of, you know, how stressed we are, and I'm using it here to demonstrate the nature of awareness or consciousness. And my point is that awareness is very different than intelligence itself. You can be a very intelligent, very knowledgeable person with deep understanding of many topics and still be unaware. Unaware of your surroundings, unaware of your own thoughts, more commonly, profoundly unaware of our most intimate and personal feelings, and therefore unaware of what other people may be thinking and feeling. Now, when we use meditation, contemplation, and reflection, and these are the means primarily, a closed-eye process to quiet the mind, to calm the emotional nature, to sit still in this situation, physical stillness, mentally quiet, and emotionally calm, our awareness expands or is elevated. We talk about higher consciousness or expanded awareness. We get an elevated point of view. And I'm going to talk about this in detail in the premium training. Please join us if you can at 1030. That's just a few minutes from now. Or by replay on demand, uh, the free forum here and the premium training that follows are always available after we adjourn as replay on demand. So you can always come back and listen to the stream or 
even download it as an MP3 to your computer and then put it on your phone or iPad, your iPod. And if you're not yet enrolled, simply go to theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it. The W is dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars, then premium training. Use your bank card. Takes about 60 seconds. The thank you page and a confirming email will have the password and the URL you need to join us. And I'm going to talk in depth about three different benefits or areas of benefit that come from developing our awareness so that it is expanded or elevated in perspective. One is the bigger picture, the conceptual understanding that becomes available as we develop our consciousness. Logic helps us to understand the details, but often we get confused when we try to step back and take in the overview or the overarching umbrella concept. Or if we have a number of observed details, how do we induce a larger concept to explain what obviously is separated yet have some connection? Like I see the pearls on the necklace, but I don't see the string that unifies the whole thing. Conceptual understanding, gestalt, the Germans call it, the big picture, the whole enchilada, that's one area of benefit that accrues naturally from meditating to develop your conscious awareness. Another is that these areas that are separated and often seem to conflict when we're highly stressed, as we develop our conscious awareness, we see harmony and unity where before we'd seen only conflict. Harmony says, well, they're still different, but they're working together in a coordinated way that you may not have seen when you were stressed and anxious and nervous, less aware, in other words, and focused only on the distinctions. Now you not only see the bigger picture, but number two, you see more harmony as well as unity. And a third area that's often amazing is the refinement of ethics and values as if we are approaching our spiritual source. We become kinder and gentler. We, <laughs> we become more humble. It's an amazing thing. The more you know about who you are, the less it matters what other people think, the more you really like who you are, and the less likely you are to be arrogant or conceited or even bullied or intimidated or, or humiliated by other people. There's a contentment that comes with the humility of refined ethics, being more charitable, better sense of humor, um, easier to get along with other people, not having to set others straight and always express your negative opinions. And uh, it's a quality of contentment that many people would give a great deal for if they only knew how to, how to create it. So that's our overview. I've tried to shoehorn as much information into these free podcasts and, and free forum webinars as I can. I hope you've enjoyed it and benefited from our brief little discussion of the nature of consciousness and awareness. And 
the fact that it is variable. It's not a either-or, awake or asleep, but how awake are we really? And some of the benefits that come from developing consciousness. Remember, meditation is the tool. There's no wrong way to do it. If you just sit and do nothing but watch yourself think. Be the watcher, though, not the thinker. Watch yourself breathe, but be the watcher, not the breather. And that mindful detachment will begin to develop your consciousness naturally and normally. And if you can, it's a pocket full of change. Join us for the premium training in about three minutes. I'm going to go over there now. In any event, thanks a lot for being with us today, whether live, streaming, or by podcast. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday on the 29th of September. Be gentle, love life, take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from Los Angeles.